0: It's episode 143 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and it's the Great Sweater Race, held by the fine folks at OhioHockeyDigest.com, who won the best hockey jersey in the state. Plus, a whole heap of bad news, if you like sports in southwest Ohio, has struck on this Tuesday. If it's sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio, it's on this podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit... The slash podcasts to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter at the and the podcast at Cinde Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mowen. Before we begin episode 143, I'd like to take this time to say if you didn't get to listen to episode 142, I really liked that episode. I interviewed Chris Collins, who's the broadcasting voice of the Wright State University Raiders and part of WHIO Radio. I really enjoyed that interview. I highly recommend going back and listening to 142. And just as a little spoiler, I tweeted on Pod on Twitter earlier today. There are some more interviews down the pipeline, and eventually, if I ask more people, hopefully we will be more during this quarantine, so be on the lookout for that, or the hear out for that. This is an audio podcast, after all. So, today, I wanted to talk about the Ohio Hockey Digest's high school jersey tournament that wrapped up Sunday at midnight, and there were a couple of Cincinnati Dayton area schools that got into the preliminary rounds and there was a columbus area school that went to the final but before we cover that in detail by the way it's by the fine folks at ohiohockeydigest.com and scott harrington they do a great job running that site there has been a slew of bad news hitting this tuesday april 21st 2020 and I don't remember seeing such a wave of bad news in its multiple angles. And this first one will hit our friends in Champaign County the hardest. Now, Urbana University, you know I've covered them over the course of my podcast. They're an NCAA Division II school in Urbana, and they've been open since 1850, And they are the Blue Knights. They belong in the Mountain East Conference. Well, according to the website today, Urbana University will be shutting their physical location in favor of online schooling through Franklin University after the conclusion of spring 2020. Basically, Urbana University is shutting down, and if you want some of that urbana university education it goes to franklin university a little bit of history on that franklin university not the original owner of urbana but they picked up uu in 2014 urbana has a 128 acre residential campus nestled in the heart of ohio urbana very lovely town it's north of springfield and a good university and it's a crying shame that a campus that's been open since eighteen fifty is shutting their doors for good. Now this is the first school that I know of around here that's shutting their doors during the quarantine of the coronavirus. If you remember I'm trying to think when that was, when Cincinnati Christian closed their doors. It's the second school to shut their physical doors. In a span of about four months or so, because I thought it was December. It's after the football season. I know that they finished that, and they didn't get to winter sports. Anyway, so that's that for Urbana. Once this spring 2020 term comes to an end, there's going to be a lot of coaches, players, students, and faculty and staff that are going to be out of a job, and it this hurts. This hurts. Uh, You know, I've never caught an Urbana game at UU. I've seen the Urbana Blue Knights at Cedarville and Central State when I was broadcasting with CSU and the Marauders. This hurts. This really hurts. Urbana's really good campus, really good programs, especially women's basketball. There's uh, a lot of love that was shared for that, and now that's gone, and all the sports... There are 17 NCAA Division II sports and three intercollegiate club sports. that uh, they're going to need new homes. Now, of course, with this closure, any athlete at Urbana can just transfer out and they don't have to wait. It's not their fault Urbana closed. So, I, I think most of the athletes will be able to find homes. But, think of the historic impact that Urbana had. That's... That's sad. And that broke my heart. Just I have to thank Brandon Ponchak. He was the first one to find out about it. And I thought he shared that Urbana was going to close up their men's soccer team. When it turned out to be much, much worse. Not only is Urbana getting rid of the men's soccer team, they're getting rid of everything. And then it goes to Franklin University to discontinue physical operations on the Urbana branch. After this spring 2020 semester has ended. Now, Franklin University, I believe they're mostly online. I think they had a physical campus in Franklin, of all places, just on 73 when you're heading out towards Springboro. But that they haven't been there in like quite some time. I think like 15 years or something. It's been a while. But, yeah, it's added a level of stress and uncertainty to Urbana's prospects that make it impossible to sustain. And that gave Franklin University the hard choice to shut it down. Like I mentioned, very, very sad. Like Durbanis campus, good athletic programs in D2 in the area. And now the biggest city in Champaign County will have a 128-acre empty spot. Now, with Cincinnati Christian, I think there was... I haven't looked up what's happened to that since, but I think... There was a group from Missouri that wanted to open it back up, not for Cincinnati Christian, but for, you know, themselves. I don't know if anything's going to be like that on the table. I I don't know. So, Urbana currently served 1,254 students. So, not a big campus per se, but still. 128 acres, that's not bad. It mentions in this press release that... Most of the students will continue their studies uninterrupted because, again, Franklin University is mostly online, so go on the computer, learn online, get your degree that way. But Urbana University, as we know it, will be shut down. 111 full-time employees on the Urbana campus will be affected by this closure, and a number of these employees who work there will be offered employment at Franklin University. Those who will not continue at Franklin will be offered severance packages, which is nice, to help with this difficult transition. So, like I mentioned, tough time at Urbana, shutting down after the spring 2020 semester calls it a day. I, I, I look at Urbana's situation, and I think... With Franklin picking it up, you know, there was a little bit more hope that it would continue on. I I don't remember if Urbana was in trouble in terms of, like, money flow. Not, like, you know, doing bad things, but, you know, being able to sustain everything. It's still a very sad time. If you want to read more, you can go to urbana.edu slash closure there are five categories you can look. Students, general FAQs, alumni and donors, partnerships, and athletics. And the athletics one, since this is a sports podcast, campus officials will be working with officials at the NCAA and MEC, that's the Mountain East Conference, to obtain guidance on the most effective ways to transition these student-athletes who wish to transfer to other institutions to continue their athletic endeavors. I retweeted a baseball player's video on him cranking a home run over the left center wall. And you think I'd have that name for you, which pop it up right here real quick. I can tell you that looks like it's Griff Stevens, Griff Stevens 7 on Twitter. Looking for a new home. He's got 45 retweets at the time of this recording, 106 likes and 11 replies. So... I certainly hope that these Blue Knights will be able to recover during this tough time. And, wow, that's, that's a way to start a Tuesday. One of the oldest universities around here closing their doors. So my heart goes out to all the folks at Urbana University that now have to find new homes, new jobs, new everything. Very tough. And now we move on to Urbana University closing their doors forever to a team that's closing their doors for the year. As you know, we are heading into May next week. Next Friday is May the 1st. And summer is not too far away. Well, there is one team that will not be playing in USL League 2 action this year, and that would be the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. This press release was just released a couple hours ago. The Cincinnati Dutch Lions FC have officially made the decision to forego playing in the 2020 USL League 2 season due to the current state caused by the global pandemic. That is big news. Right now, USL League 2 hasn't mentioned anything about delays, cancellations. There's been few sports leagues that have said, okay, that's it. Like the IFL, Indoor Football League. That's the home of my favorite mascot team ever, the Iowa Barnstormers. And they used to have the goggles, on the like the flight goggles on the helmets. It's, it's a great look. But... The IFL's already canceled things off. Right now, Summer Collegiate Baseball hasn't. Yet. I mentioned May is coming up. May, what is it, the 28th, 29th? That is the start of the Prospect League season. And June 5th is right now the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League season opener. Right now, those haven't been touched. We still have yet to find out what's going to happen with the 2020 MLB and MILB seasons, namely the Reds and Dayton Dragons. But, since Cincinnati's going ahead and saying, nope, we're not taking any chances. I admire since Cincinnati's decision on this. It's not an easy one to make. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to play. I mean, that's sponsorship money. That I mean, I'm sure there's ways to get sponsorship money when you're not playing, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, most of your money's made through sponsorships and people walking through the gate. With uh with no games to go, where's the gate? Oh yeah, there is none. So very, very tough, and again, Brandon Ponchak actually I think it was the official Twitter Cincinnati DLFC that shared it first, and then Brandon shared it a little bit later. He's the goalie coach for Cincy's Dutch Lions Squad. This decision has taken time and numerous conversations to make the right decision for the club, staff, incoming players, sponsors, and of course, the great fans of CDL FC. The decision's been made to ensure the health and well-being of the entire Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky communities, but also the communities where players will be traveling to and from during the season. Throughout the last three months of the pandemic, conversations continued and this decision has not come easy as there was high hopes and great planning put into the 2020 season. This breaks my heart, too. When Cincinnati and Dayton play, I mean, that's that's the best rivalry now. Now, that's not going to happen. But at the same time, I admire Cincinnati for making this decision. It's not an easy one. Like I mentioned, that's money down the drain. You're not going to be able to recover from that. But I think Cincinnati will be all right, and I think we'll see the Cincy Lions for 2021. Hopefully. Like I mentioned, nothing yet from USL League 2. But Cincinnati is going ahead and saying nope. Dayton right now, I believe both the Dutch Lions squads, the women and the men, will be getting ready to go. As I tweeted a while back, the WPSL, they do plan on having the 2020 season. However, there will be no postseason. So meaning for the Great Lakes teams... Or the Ohio Valley teams, rather. Ten games, that's it. Which is better than nothing. So, So I admire, again, the decision that Cincinnati made. It definitely wasn't an easy one. And hopefully we'll get to see the Cincinnati Dutch Lions in 2021. We'll stick with the Cincinnati Dutch Lions and actually bring a nugget of good news. Just so you don't think this is, like, the most depressing episode ever. Now... I mentioned e-gaming a while back, I forget which episode it was, I talked about it, promise. And this is what Ryan Sparks is doing. He's on Twitter at Touched Artists and he's representing Cincinnati Dutch Lions FC. He's a member of Super Mega Ultras, which is the supporter group for Cincinnati Dutch Lions. An avid gamer, a massive local soccer fan, Ryan has been a CDL FC supporter for several years. Ryan chose to compete in the PC competition of EA Sports FIFA 2020. The lower league E Cup will be playing the same game, EA Sports FIFA 2020, on either PlayStation, Xbox, or PC. Like I mentioned, Ryan's on the PC version. You can watch Ryan compete, I think he's 3-0 already, on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. This is an old uh, press release, so I probably should pick a new one, but start off 1 and 0 and a plus 5 goal differential is touch artists that's impressive a 7 to 2 victory over swan city syndicate the florida tropics sc supporters group and the next one was monday april 13th like i mentioned probably should get a fresher press release to talk about this the full schedule the next game actually is to or it's monday April 27th. Why did I think tomorrow was the 27th? That's not no. That's not how numbers work. And Touched Artists has Cardinal Collective SG out of North Carolina. That'll be 7.30. And then it'll take on the South Bend Lions FC of Indiana May 4th, May 11th, Oakland County FC. Remember, they're one of the newcomers in the league, the Great Lakes division that the Dutch Lions will compete in. And that next day, May 12th, Touch will take on Metro Louisville FC out of Kentucky. Again, you can find all this stuff, cdlfc.com, and good luck to Ryan. Bring home the cup for Cincinnati. The E-cup, rather. I was going to say bring home the bacon, but that doesn't make any sense. And a quick coaching vacancy. Uh, it's something that I normally don't talk about on here because normally when you hear it, bam. It's failed just like that. Something that surprised me. Springboro is looking for a new head coach for ice hockey. This coach will be taking over for Nate Reynolds, who was the head coach for the previous two years. He welcomed in a new baby in January, I believe. Missed a game for that. So, nice addition to the Reynolds family. If you are interested in becoming the next head coach of the Springboro Panthers ice hockey team, you can send a letter of interest, a resume, and references to Austin Rhodes, the athletic director at Springboro. And you can find out this stuff for yourself, boroughpanthers.com, I believe is the website. At this time, there are no expected teaching openings. Deadline to apply is Monday, April 27th. So if you're interested, get moving. Because, yeah, Monday is the deadline. I'll be—I'll be quite honest. This one—this one surprised me, and I thought Nate Reynolds did a nice job. His two years taking over for longtime head coach Tony Morris, who did a great job building the program up to what it is. I mean, Springboro's in the Capital Hockey Conference. It's the big conference playing in Columbus, and I think Springboro holds their own. And yeah, it's—it's it's a little surprising. To me, seeing that Coach Reynolds won't be there for 2020-2021. That means both teams at South Metro Sportsplex will have a new head coach for the upcoming year. I believe it's Tim Evans for Centerville. I think that's his name. Hopefully it is. Unfortunately, the website for Centerville is not up. So, But look through the history on that. see that he had great success from... 1988 onwards. So, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the next ice hockey season has. Again, there's an opening if you're interested in Springboro. So, let's head off the sheet of ice and get to the baseball diamond. Like I mentioned, I haven't heard anything about the 2020 seasons for MLB or MILB. I know that MLB is saying, let's play it all in Arizona. It's like... What about us folks that work for the teams? Are we going to be able to get to Arizona? No. Well, most of us aren't. But today, you remember that thing that uh, everyone's talking about where MLB wants MILB, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, where they want Minor League Baseball to trim the field by 40 teams and then add two independent teams just because they're in pretty good markets. At least I think that's why. Well, apparently, it's agreed upon. This is from Doug Gray, good friend, at RedsMinorLeagues.com. Minor League Baseball to agree to reducing the number of teams. Yeah. You know, I really like the fight that MILB had against MLB's push for this. And seeing this news really disappointed me. Uh, How... How is cutting 40 teams supposed to bring in fresh blood into America's pastime? Oh, we'll just take your team away from your community and you know you can still watch the sport. You know, if it's not blacked out, that is. <sighs> I. Yeah. I'll start off with the first paragraph. It's been a big story for the last half year or so with Major League Baseball's plan on attempting to eliminate 40 teams from the Minor League Baseball chain under the guise of... Player safety and adequate facilities. That's true for some, but... Before the world truly began to burn, this was one of the bigger stories of all baseballs. Two sites fought, often out in public, over the idea of eliminating teams from the minors. But when COVID-19 arrived stateside, we began to see it spread, things began shutting down, and sports were among the first things to push the pause button on their businesses. When that happened, it also put a halt on talks between MLB and MILB on their negotiations for a new professional baseball agreement. J.J. Cooper of Baseball America reported just before noon today I was out doing my laundry, that's when I found out on Twitter (laughs) that the minor league baseball side will concede to the reduction down to 120 teams. Meaning 40 teams sliced away. I don't have that list on my hand. I think Chattanooga was one. Maybe Daytona. The Clinton Lumber Kings, I know. I think all but Cedar Rapids of the Iowa teams were destined to be hacked away. Maybe it was Quad Cities. I'm not sure. Now, MILB and MLB are expected to discuss the perimeters of a system where the two sides can work together to ensure that most of the cities that currently have affiliated baseball will have ties to MLB clubs even though those cities' teams will not be fielding draftees and signees of the MLB club, which, if you remember back, way back, it's talking about the Dream League, where, you know, you have college kids that maybe didn't get drafted, they play there, and then next year they're in, you know, the minors. I think that's how that went. I... I I hate it. (laughs) I hate it, and it's just... Like I mentioned, how are you going to get fresh blood by taking away communities' teams? Now, Grant, I know they're not going to take the most successful minor league teams. That, that's stupid. That's that's not good business practice at all. So I think the Dayton Dragons are safe because they're they're ran by the Cincinnati Reds. Because you know Cincinnati's not going to have any other MLB team run a affiliate in downtown Dayton when they're less than an hour away from Cincinnati. It's just not going to happen. That's bad business there if it did. So, right now, your Cincinnati Reds are around like this. You have your Arizona Fall League or your AZL. You got Expanded Spring Training, of course, not to be confused with string spranging or whatever. You got Single A or Low A, Dayton Dragons. You got Advanced A or High A, Daytona Tortugas in Florida. Double A, the Chattanooga Lookouts, which are historically they've been with the Reds from eighty eight to what was it, two thousand six? I also don't remember, but they they have history with Cincinnati. Triple A is the Louisville Bats and Cincinnati Reds are the major league team. You might have guessed that, but on a further paragraph, again back on RedsmeyerLeaks.com in this article. On the initial list, the rookie-level Greenville Reds, Billings Mustangs, Daytona Tortugas, and Chattanooga Lookouts were among the 42 teams to be sliced. Now, they're looking to get rid of the Rookie League. So, meaning, you know, Billings and the Pioneer League, gone. Appalachian League, gone. There's no Rookie League. That'd be the Dream League. So, I think they'd make the Rookie League the at the homes of the spring training sites. So, Cincinnati would be at Goodyear, Arizona. And, you know, for your teams, they'd be their spring training homes, like I mentioned. The new plan, quote-unquote new, quote-unquote tractor beam, would be to have no rookie-level league outside the league's operated spring training complexes in Florida and Arizona. That would make the Gulf Coast League and Arizona Rookie League. Each organization would still have a low-A, advanced-A, double-A, and triple-A franchise. Now, of course... With this chopping, they're looking to kind of fix the f- fix tractor beam. Fix the foundation where all major league teams have four affiliates. That's it. Outside rookie level, of course. but So, I don't know if the Dragons would be shuffled up the ladder. I mean, you can't really go down the low A, but I don't know. We'll see a restructuring of the leagues to make travel easier read shorter, which will include some teams changing levels or affiliations that they're currently in to better fit the geographical location of leagues. So, Midwest League, not too bad on travel in the East Division. When you get in the West, outside Illinois, hmm, hmm. Iowa's about eight hours away, sure. Wisconsin, that's not a pleasant trip, so I don't know. Like I mentioned, Dayton Dragons will be safe. They're protected by the Reds. So Cincinnati's just not going to have anyone come in. It's like, ooh, Dayton's beautiful. We'll take it. And yeah, Cincinnati's not going to do that. So if we get baseball this year, we'll still have the current levels. But in 2021, if we do get to baseball in 2021, things are going to be a little bit different. There'll be an Arizona League Reds team as the new rookie team. You'll have low A, advanced A, double A, triple A, and Dayton Dragons will be one of those four teams. Chattanooga and Daytona, I don't know what's going to happen to the Lookouts or Tortugas. Louisville, again, I don't know what's going to happen to them. Who will the other three teams be? Can't tell you, but it looks like that deal has finally passed. And if you like your baseball, you are probably, like me, angry at this. Again, I get the MLB wanting to make everything, you know, even Steven playing level. I I guess. I I don't know why the MLB is doing this, to be honest with you. Again, cutting 40 teams, if you take teams away... And people don't have a way to follow baseball there if they're blacked out in certain media markets. Just how they're gonna get into baseball. I mean if there's a college baseball team there, sure, but I I don't know. I think it's I I think it's a bad move, but we We'll see. We'll see. Okay, enough negativity. Let's talk about the great spreaderways after we hear a plug for T Public. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast? Visit the leewmawan.com slash podcast, then click on buy podcast merchandise made by Tee Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. I do want to thank the folks that did buy some new logo gear from T Public. A very big thank you. Every portion of every sale does go back to me, it does help out, and I appreciate it. And actually my mom bought a shirt from there, got it. Uh, very quick shipping, very good material. She bought a teal one, which was pretty cool. But again, T Public You can go to the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, and it'll take you there. You can buy stickers, shirts, hoodies, mugs, uh, phone cases, notebooks, a little bit of everything. So if you do have the extra money, it does help out. Please and thank you. Now let's talk about something good. It is the Great Sweater Race. And you might wonder what I'm talking about. Why are we racing Articles of clothing that are good in the winter, but not so much now, especially with this bright sunshine. We have a very nice day today, and we had one yesterday too. Great for driving. So, of course, sweaters are another hockey term for jerseys. And you know me, I'm a big jersey logo design nerd. Which, yes, I seen the new NFL looks. We'll talk a little bit about that before we wrap up this week. But. The folks at Ohio Hockey Digest, I wrote a couple pieces for them over the ice hockey season, they ran a contest since ice hockey could not play their state tournament. It stopped at the Final Four, or so I say, Frozen Four. New Albany got to the Frozen Four for the first time ever in school history, and I was really hoping that the Eagles would get back to the state final for Columbus and You know, even beat St. I and Prevent five in a row. But that was squashed. Which, by the way, I think everyone knows it by now, but spring sports have been called off by the OHSAA. Very smart choice. Sad, of course, especially for the seniors, the coaches, the players, and the families involved. But I absolutely think it was the right decision. So there you go. So over the course of a couple weeks now, the fine folks at hockey underscore Ohio on Twitter got people to send in jersey pictures, pictures of the team's sweaters, and folks got to vote on them on the website OhioHockeyDigest.com. Yours truly did vote, I think for every single round. And I think most of my votes, mm, eh, that's right. all my votes went to local teams. Until there weren't any in Sunday, then i voted for the Columbus teams. That's honestly the jerseys I like the best. This is stemming off a college hockey tournament that they ran right before it, where the University of Dayton Flyers fell just short to John Carroll and the Blue Streaks. John Carroll's jerseys, they're not bad, but they look very Akron Zip-ish. The dark navy, the pale gold, just not with that number font. Thank goodness for that. Whereas the Dayton Flyers one, they have a Columbia Blue one, you know, old school UD, and Flyers in cursive on the front, and the old interlocking UD logo on the shoulders. That was a sharp look, and I was a little sad to see UD didn't win the whole King of Boodle. But there were some great jerseys there. So the folks at Ohio Hockey Digest decided, hey, let's open it up to high school. And coaches and Broadcasters, because I sent in a suggestion, got to send in their requests to Scott Harrington. And all those got in a preliminary round where you could vote them into the playoffs, so to speak. I sent in the Centerville Elks home jerseys. I sent in three pictures to make sure the front and the back were covered. And the picture used was Captain Riley Horin. And the CH logo is on front. That's the same logo the Elks wore when they won the state title back in 1979. Looking back on it, I wish I sent in more. Because there was only a few Sunday area squads to get in the preliminaries. Bowler, St. Xavier, Springboro, their third jersey got in and they made some noise. Northern Kentucky got in, which was cool. And I'm glad they allowed that because Northern Kentucky... Yes, it's in Kentucky, but they're part of the Cincinnati fabric, so you know, let them in. So I'm glad that was the case. However, they picked the away jerseys, not the home ones. The home ones, I can see. The away jerseys have red outlines, no number filling on the black jerseys, meaning when Norfolk Kentucky was in the far side of the rink, I couldn't see who was doing what. So it's a little tough for me to broadcast, but that logo really is sweet, and those, the white jerseys are really great. And I'm happy they got in. Sycamore got in the, the green jerseys. Which, to be honest, those jerseys, they're okay. But my favorite Sycamore jerseys, you have to go back a couple years. Uh, my Did we see Sycamore the first year? I don't remember if we did or not. But the goalie was Jack Spellman. And Sycamore had green jerseys, aviators diagonally in gold, and Spellman had a goalie glove that was red and blue, so it's right state colors. Dame fire glove. It was great. But no, those are my favorite. I love those sycamore jerseys. The the new ones are fine, or the ones they have are fine. It's just every time I look on the shoulders, there's that Sycamore S, which you know Michigan State Spartans have, Stenson had for a while, except Stenson does still have that with a hat. I keep thinking that's number five. Like who number who's number five? Oh, it's S. <laughs> It makes me feel smart. Hooray. Uh, Let's see. Sycamore was in there. Troy was in there. I like those jerseys. I think they're classic and it's a good look and it's easy to read. That's all I ask for. I mentioned Springboro's thirds got in. Alter got in. And again, like Sycamore, I like their previous jerseys better. They had gold jerseys and. Wait, was it gold jerseys? White numbers, brown trim? It was easy to read. The ones they have now, the white jerseys and the golden numbers kind of mesh in. The charcoal grays don't have that problem. Those are easy to see, and I like those. But just the white ones and the yellow, it's a little tough. But I, I like the old look of the Altar Knights. By old look, I mean a couple years back. Because both those jerseys for Altar and Sycamore are about two years, two seasons served now. Talawanda was in it. They had their brand new jerseys. Because remember, Talawanda a year ago decided to knock off any mention of Native Americans so the Braves became the Brave so there was a big T on there and I thought that they looked like the Blue Jackets jerseys or like the the Blue Jackets or the C-C-Y-H-A youth jerseys which are block numbers but they look just like the Blue Jackets jerseys outside that I, I like those some of the teams I really wanted to see uh Elder, their purple jerseys I think are great. They have like the diamonds on the side. I don't think those are old jerseys, but they have that throwback feel to them, and I always like those. Uh, Elder didn't wear them this year, at least I don't think they did. I think the JV teams have the old jerseys now, and Elder wears predominantly the black jerseys, which are nice too. I like those. Try to think what else. There was Beaver Creek, like those jerseys. the The beach blanket design I really like, but those. They're just crisp. They're clean. I like those. Mention Alter. I'm trying to think. There's only there's only twelve high school teams. How can I be struggling? This Mason. I wish Mason was in there. Their Kelly green jerseys. I think are outstanding. I like those a lot. Uh, Molar got in. They had the gold thirds. I voted on the gold thirds. Something I have to really applaud Molar for. All their hockey jerseys, their numbers are oversized on the back, meaning they're easy to read from far near. They're great. They're great jerseys. St. X's jerseys were actually the traveling away ones, the gray ones. And I was asking one of the parents of the Bombers... What's that shrimp looking logo on the shoulders? Well, that's a bomber zipping. It's not shrimp. It's like, oh, uh, it's, it's a good thing I didn't say they look like shrimp on there, but I like that uh, I like that logo. I don't think the bombers really use that logo much. It's just the X that they have. Someone correct me if I'm wrong on that. But yeah, I think that's all. I think I'm covering all the high school teams around here. If I'm not, send me send me a complete normal address, but we do have some really sweet-looking jerseys. Someone asked, I forget who it was, it was a member of Dublin Sciotas team, why the Irish didn't get any love. It's just because, you know, people have to send it in, and, you know, I, I talked about the teams that didn't get in, I might have, probably should have sent them in, but... For me, I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm sending all of ours in. <laughs> Take that, Northern Ohio. I didn't, I didn't want to overstuff the box on that, if you will. But I probably should have just because we do have some nice jerseys in Southwest Ohio. If there's ever another high school jersey tournament like this, I'll hope to find jerseys, uh, pictures of the jerseys and send them in. Because, hey, in Southwest Ohio... And like I mentioned, there I did talk about some of the old ones that I really liked, but it's not really a bad look. Now, the actual tournament itself, like I mentioned, the first round, uh, people were invited to send in their own. Uh, in fact, I have to go on the media side of hockey underscore Ohio. Oh, by the way, does anyone know if the... Wall of hockey jerseys still exists at Nationwide Arena in Columbus, where every single high school has their jersey up on the wall. I haven't been to Nationwide in several years, and I really, really hope it is. Some of the ones that I was surprised didn't get in, Tangy Orange. I love those jerseys. Outside Centerville's Home Whites, that's probably my favorite jerseys. Just because they look so Edmonton Euler colors from back in the day, like... Bright orange, bright blue. I I I'm a big fan of those, what can I say? So, like I mentioned, like an idiot, I didn't really follow along like I didn't capture the results. So I know semis, I know finals, and that's really it. I do have to say there was a couple that surprised me locally. By locally I mean we're getting into Columbus territory. Bishop Watterson has a really nice pale gold jersey. It looks like an old-school Watterson Eagle on front. If you think old-school Pittsburgh Penguins jersey, like the old-school logo that they had, it's kind of like that, except no triangles. It's a W. Pale gold, white numbers, black trim. It's easy to read. There's maroon on the shoulders. I really like those. There's some really good jerseys on there. Thomas Worthington. They had uh, their home whites in, which made me a little sad, because their traveling blue jerseys that look like Montreal Canadiens, I think are just outstanding. I love those jerseys, and I think they're easy to read. Although it's been a couple of years since I've seen them, so I I might be I I might be remembering wrong on that, but yeah, I li- I like those jerseys. There's a couple from schools outside that I really like too. The Knights. Who is the Knights? Is that That's not holy name, is it? No, that's not holy name. St. Ignatius had a couple nice ones. Sylvania Northview, which I thought would have won the whole thing with their classic shield of Sylvania Northview. I guess that's what we're calling it. Those are really nice. Avon Lakes got some nice home jerseys. St. Charles. How can I forget about St. Charles? They're black alternative jerseys, which we got to see when Springboro hosted the Cardinals. Those are outstanding. I love those. Great jerseys. They have the Shield of St. Charles on the front. And, yeah, I I voted for those, definitely. Hilliard, which is not a high school. It is the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League, which are for high schoolers that don't have a high school hockey team. They can play on those teams, like the Dayton Stealth, for anyone not at Centerville, Beaver Creek, Troy, Alter, uh, Springboro. Why did I forget Springboro? I don't know. But, yeah, just looking through there, it just there were some great jerseys, and there were some tough votes on there. Like I mentioned, Centerville didn't get in the first round of the playoffs, which broke my heart. There was a group of death, I think it was Group D, where it pit not only Sycamore, but Northern Kentucky and Moeller. There's three Cincinnati teams in one group out of Six. How am I supposed to vote for that? And I uh, I know I'm going to have people angry at me for this, but I voted Molars. just because, again, numbers that are giant on the back. I love those jerseys and the gold, too. I love gold jerseys. I would have voted Norfolk, Kentucky, or Sycamore if they were in their own group. They weren't. And, in fact, when I voted for Moeller, Norfolk, Kentucky, was leading the way, and Sycamore had four votes at that point, which I thought was... That was a shame, because those green jerseys are really sweet, and I like that they have the Aves school logo on it, which is a plane flying out of the V, and of course, Aves is short for aviators, not avenues or avalanches. I do like the Aves name, though, but you can go back and actually, let's try to find that bracket. So here's how the first round went. We'll start off with the top. Bowling Green got by Parma, and they face number one Bay, Shaker Heights. I'm not going to spoil it. They beat Toledo St. John's, NDCL. Oh, yeah, because NDC- NDCL didn't get in the preliminaries. You know, Honest mistake, so got a free pass, took on St. John's. Shaker Heights won it. Bishop Watterson got by St. Ignatius. Rocky River slipped by Gilmore Academy's prep team. Stell got past Padua Franciscan, Norfolk Kentucky fell to Hudson, St. Edward got by Walsh Jesuit, which I like those jerseys too, they were in South Metro for three games against the local CHC teams in Springboro, St. X and Muller. I was a little sad that Walsh Jesuit didn't get to move on, but St. Edward, they have some nice jerseys for their hockey team, and Thomas Worthington got by Archbishop Muller. Second round looks something like this. Bay beat Bowling Green. Shaker Heights got past Springboro's third jerseys. Springboro got a first round by Aston St. Charles, who defeated their Columbus foe and Bishop Watterson to take on Sylvania Norfew, who got by Rocky River. Stowe got by Gilmore Academy's varsity team. Hudson fell to Olentangy Berlin. And Olentangy Berlin, they sent in the home white jerseys, which still showed off the two shades of blue. If you want to think color scheme, think Fairborn Skyhawks. If Fairborn had a high school hockey team, it would be like that except Skyhawks and not Bears. But lighter shade of blue, darker shade of blue. I like the Bears look. I really like their away jerseys, but they have the home jerseys. Toledo St. Francis got by St. Edward, and Thomas Worthington fell to Nordonia. Third round, Shaker Heights got by Bay, which is a 9-1 upset. I think the seeds were by how many votes they got in the preliminary rounds, and yes, remembering right, that is how it was. St. Charles fell to Northview, Stowe fell to Olentangy Berlin, and Nordonia got by Toledo St. Francis. Semifinals: Shaker Heights punched in the first championship bout. Olentangy Berlin punched in the second, and your final, which, if I can pull it up quick and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Shaker Heights got by Olentangy Berlin by four votes. Four votes. 17,000 visitors somehow cast 73,000 votes, which, hey, it's technology. So, at least people had fun, and it's, you know, a fun contest. Now, Shaker Heights jerseys, I thought, you know, nice, clean, nothing too extraordinary or extravagant rather extravagant is a better word and it makes me sound smart red numbers letters uh white hockey lace at the at the neck and they kind of look like they have the lines of the winnipeg jets you know what i'm talking about where they have the lines at the elbows which originally i wasn't too crazy about but just thin red lines on there they're They're clean jerseys, so that's a good look. But I was a little sad, because I wanted... Really, I wanted a Cincinnati Dayton team to win, you know, since that's what I cover. But it's nice to see Olin Belay and get a lot of love. A little sad to see Olentangy Orange not invited. I don't remember if Olin Olentangy Liberty got in. Olin Olentangy, I don't remember if they got in. What's funny about the Olentangy schools, Olentangy, they have the... Their jerseys kinda of look like the St. Louis Blues, with the black, the blue, the gold. Like a darker shade of blue, but not quite navy. If you get what I'm saying. Uh Olin Orange I already covered. Edmonton Oilers from the eighties. Great look. Uh Olin Liberty. Their logo kinda of looks like the Washington Capitals, with you know the hockey stick being an L. I like that look. And Olin Berlin, like I mentioned. Really like that color scheme. A lot of fun, and it was a lot of fun to see people love on high school hockey jerseys. Oh, by the way, the final numbers. Shaker Heights, thirty-six thousand four hundred and twelve to Olin Tanji Berlin's thirty-six thousand four hundred and eight. Compared to the semifinals, where Olin Tanji won three thousand seven hundred and twenty-six to three thousand one hundred and sixty-nine for Nodornia, Nodonia, Nodonia. And Shaker Heights defeated Sylvania Northview 2,428 to 2,211. So yeah, a little bit jump on votes, but hey, you know what? Can't blame Scott on that. It was a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll have another one next year if we have high school hockey or not. Because, like I mentioned, we do have a lot of great high school hockey jerseys. I love seeing the new ones. I like seeing my favorites. Like I said, we don't really have a bad set in town, so... It's a lot of fun, and definitely, like I mentioned, I highly recommend checking out their new podcast, the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast. It is ran by Tim Sullivan and Jason Lewanduski. They are coaches at St. Edward, I believe. Their first episode was with Scott Harrington, who runs the site, like I mentioned. And, yeah, I say give it a listen If you like hockey and you like Ohio and you like hockey in Ohio, then there you go. Can't really beat that, can you? But I don't know. Maybe yours truly will be a guest on there. I don't know. That's kind of a spoiler, and I don't know if I should be saying that. But actually, the last podcast, they released Fridays, by the way, their last podcast with Toledo St. Francis, Chris Varga. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing from local coaches around here, because like I mentioned, we got... A lot of knowledgeable coaches, I mean, from Northern Kentucky up to Troy. I like working with everyone. There's not someone that is like, oh, I get to work with them again. Great. I, I really like, enjoy, I really enjoy talking with all the coaches and some of the players too. But yeah, the great sweater race has come to an end and it's Shaker Heights lifting the imaginary trophy. Really clean jerseys too. I do like those. But there we go. There's a little tidbit. Still a little surprised at the head coach opening at Springboro too. But hey, life happens. So I don't know I don't know the result or the anything that happened behind doors, but I am going to miss Coach Reynolds. So best of luck, Nate. And again, if you're interested contact Austin Rhodes, the athletic director of Springboro, by Monday, April 27th, with a letter of interest, a resume, and references. And you might be the head coach of the Springboro Panthers for 2020 The past year, Springboro went 14-17-2 and 7-9 in the Capital Hockey Conference, like I mentioned. Not an easy conference to play in. There's a lot of big muscle teams, you know, upper Arlington, they suffered one loss this year. New Albany gave them that loss in the playoffs. It's, it's tough. If you want, if you want to get far in the sports, capital hockey conference definitely gives you a challenge. So not saying Southwest doesn't, but we're talking Dublin, Jerome, who's, you know, normally a beast in the playoffs, Olin Tangy liberties, good St. Charles. New Albany, like I mentioned, they got to the Frozen Four for the first time ever in team history. I miss sports. I don't know about you. I miss sports. I will talk briefly about the new NFL looks, and hopefully I can find them to talk about and not just go off memory. I, the only ones I really didn't care for the Atlanta Falcons. and The ATL thing, I mean... Fine, but I don't know. I, I like their I like their look. The Patriots one I I liked it. It's a little weird not seeing that font because they ran with it for twenty years. But I, it's their color Ross jerseys, and I actually like those. The stripe ending kind of at the top of the shoulders. That's a little I, I don't know. I'm not a big design person. I'm. I'm a guy that likes logos and jerseys. The Los Angeles Chargers actually shared theirs today, and really my only complaint on those is why not a gold jersey. But wow, those jerseys are really, really great. And hopefully I can Hopefully I can share them with you if I don't get bombarded by 10 million pop-ups on this site. This is from Kron. From Matt Young of the Houston Chronicle, raking the NFL's new uniforms for the 2020 season. Now, I like the Bengals look. The only thing I change is the number font. Not too crazy about it, but I, I love the Bengals helmet. Hopefully that stays until the end of time. Uh, the jersey, uh, the number font, I've never been a big fan of that. But Yeah, there's a lot of people saying, hands down, the Chargers' new uniforms are the best. The Cleveland Browns debuted their new ones, and they're going back to their franchise's past on this look. Like those jerseys. Clean. And like I said, it's a very good look. The ones they had, eh, I, I get it, but sometimes you don't shake the tree of throwbacks or tradition or whatever. The Falcons ones, I just... I don't know. The Buccaneers ones, again, like the Cleveland, going back to an older look when they went to the Super Bowl. I like those. The gray ones, eh, I don't know. Those ones, mm. now, of course, I'm talking about, oh, there's the thing to go by. I do like the gold pants and the bolt up the side. I really like the royal blue, the navy blue, and the Charger Bolt, I really like those looks. I think Los Angeles and the Chargers have done a nice job on that. The Cleveland Browns ones, I think I really like too. The number font's a little different. It's not just plain old block font. It's a little bit different. You know, looking at the pewter jerseys of the Buccaneers, I like those too. Those are good looking jerseys. There's a lot of going back to the past on these jerseys. The Patriots ones, the Color Rush, I like those. The Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, I had to look at it a couple of times say, like, there's a change? Now, you might know of this story, too, about the Colts having a new alt logo. They have a new word mark, which is on the top of the face mask, connecting it to the helmet. But also, the f- number font is different, too. It's no longer block. It's block with an attitude. I don't know what that font's called, but it's got it's got endings on the numbers if if you will. But apparently the Colts new alt logo, which is a C, and inside the C is the shape of the state of Indiana. Apparently there's a high school in Indianapolis nonetheless, Cathedral High School, that had a logo very, very similar to that. In fact really the changes are the colors and there was a three leaf clover in there. So that that's a fun story to talk about. So Colts really don't change up much, but hey, those, those are classic jerseys as well. Atlanta jerseys, I like, you know, if it was plain red, the plain red top, I like, but they went with a gradient look, which is the first NFL team to do so. And if you remember Atlanta sports history, the Hawks did that back in the 90s, I think, 80s, 90s. Well, the two. Uh, the throwback jersey I love. I'm sure, you know, it's not a bad look. It's just... All of them have the ATL on it. It's just... I don't know. New logo for the Rams. It looks very chargers This It's funny how close the Rams and the Chargers now look, too. More looks on the Cleveland Browns. Again... Uh, it's from Cron. It's Matt Young from the Houston Chronicle ranking all the jerseys. And the NFL draft coming up very, very shortly. I think the first day is April 24th. Now, I will tell you that there are a lot of followers of mine that have drafts on there, which is cool to see all the opi- opinions, not to be infused with opinions, but... What do I want for the Bengals? I want the right fit. If the Bengals think that Joe Burrow's the right fit, I'm on board. I think Burrow would be a great leader in the locker room. I think maybe his first year not to expect an LSU-type run like they had in college football earlier this school year. But I like Burrow, and hopefully Cincinnati holds on to that number one pick unless there is an offer they can't refuse. I mean – Literally, you have to give him like 20 picks or something like that, but I just hope the Bengals do what's right and draft what they need. I think there is a needing of new voice, new leadership, and I think Joe Burrow fits that to a tee. Tua, I think, I think he'll be okay. I'm still a little worried about his injury that he suffered, but... Jalen Hurts, I've seen some people saying they hope he falls to the Patriots. I think that'd be an interesting thing, and I think Hurts would do quite well in New England, especially with Tom Brady now in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I uh, I, I still... It's a little bit shocking. I, I, you know, I'm not mad about it at all. I mean, it's not going to affect me. But at the same time, it's going to be different. Tom Brady not in New England. He's now in Tampa Bay in the NFC. So... Definitely, I'll be following along on social media. The 2020 NFL Draft, it's going to be taking place not as it's normally prepared. Again, thanks to the nice coronavirus sweeping through the world. Apparently, the original plans were to have it in Las Vegas with the entire strip on display. But, yeah, that's not happening. And in fact, I read something that the Las Vegas Raiders might not even be playing in Vegas to start off the season. Salt Lake. Excuse me. That was some noise on my laptop, and I didn't tell it to make noise. First round was April 23rd. That's good, because I thought it was 24th. <clears throat> At 8 p.m., you can watch it online or on TV, ABC, ESPN, or the NFL Network. Rounds 2 through 3 are the 24th. You can watch it online. On ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, and NFL Network. Rounds 4 through 7, the 25th. ABC, ESPN, NFL Network. And you can track it along, NFL.com. You know, there is a local name that might be drafted and be the first Drafty for that school since the 70s, that'd be Adam Troutman of the Dayton Flyers, which there was an article that I shared on Twitter talking about how that would be a nice fit for the Patriots. I know we have Drew Sample and really his first year, nothing to really write home about. Hopefully he'll improve for this year, but I don't think tight end is a need for Cincinnati this year. Would it be nice to see Troutman make that short trip from Dayton, Cincinnati? You betcha. That'd be a lot of fun to talk about. But I don't see it happening. But that's the draft. It'll start in a couple days, the 23rd. And I will probably retweet the Bengals' picks. And I'm really hoping the Bengals make smart decisions and improve on a team that... You know what? 2 and 14, best 2 and 14 team ever. Just because of the fact if you look at the 14 losses, I think the Bengals had leads in 10 of those and only really blown out by San Fran, New Orleans. I think both of those at home. New Orleans might have been at the dome. Not sure on that, but yeah, I mean the Bengals I feel like are just a couple of cornerstones away and the free agents that they sign, I I really think the Bengals, they're not going to have another 2-14 and 14 year. I'm not seeing it. So if you, if you want that for the Bengals, I, I don't see it. So there you go. And that will finally conclude episode 143 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thanks for checking out the local Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. It's always fun to talk with you. Like I mentioned, there are a couple of interviews I have scheduled through the pipeline. Monday morning will be the first one. And it is with Dayton Flyer's voice, Larry Hanskin. Now, of course, that's subject to change because life happens after all. It's still six days away. But looking forward to getting more interviews out. Like I mentioned, 142 with Chris Collins, I think, was an excellent episode that you should go listen to. That will do it until episode 144. This is Lee W. Mallon signing off. Thanks for your support. Again, if you want new local merchandise, go to the slash podcast and then click on the Buy Podcast Merchandise link and every little piece of every sale I get back. That'll do it for 143 until episode 144, folks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the slash podcasts. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee theleewmowen.com and at Sunday pod like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast and download the free flick chat app. Then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowins mailbag questions. The closing theme is lights go down by Dan Hennig provided by the YouTube music library collection. This is Lee W. Malin. And I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.